and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the podcast where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am Aaron, joined as always by my host. I'm James, and today we are doing the obscure science fiction film Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. I it's interesting. I had not heard of this film until you brought it to my attention. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, is what I'll say to that. I mean, we you know we just we're on the end of kind of our special segment where you and I traded movies and games that the other person hadn't seen or played. And it was time to kind of stop fucking around with that and do some real movies. Yeah. To really buckle down and do the hard work that that the podcast world has been begging for. Yeah. To, you know, no one's really had any hot takes on the star Wars prequels. So I figured like we could be real, we could be real trendsetters in that field. Yeah, I was looking at YouTube videos or I was looking for YouTube videos, you know, to kind of like watch and prepare um, to see what our competition was. But I couldn't find anyone and yeah. no one has a has a take on this movie. No, it's really weird. Um, that being said, uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different. So would you maybe explain how and why? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to try a slightly different format. Don't worry. We're not getting rid of uh, our segments at the end because why would we? Yeah. <laughs> I... uh, you know, well, we're going to start out somewhat similarly to the way we normally do. But instead of kind of going through the entire plot, I think we've kind of got a list of topics that we want to go over. Obviously, we're joking earlier in that this is a much discussed movie. And, you know, we'll we'll try to bring as much unique to it as we possibly can. Um, and I think that the best way to do that is to kind of point out, you know, moments in the in the film, get either, you know, broad picture general topics and then also maybe some you know something some commentary on very specific moments in the movie and kind of go through those points of interest and uh have a dialogue about all of it yeah because i i think uh and i mean maybe i'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself but i would say i think it's we could agree this is a bad movie right um Uh, I i think it's i think it's fascinatingly bad but it's bad I enjoy the hell out of it. Yes. But it is bad. Yes, but it's bad, right? You know, it's bad. So I I think people smarter than us have described how and why the movie is bad. Um, We're not going to do that necessarily. We're just, like you said, this is just kind of more of a freeform conversation, right? We kind of, we recognize the film is bad. You know, we're not, and if you think the film is great and amazing and perfect, we're not going to change your mind. Um, I think we exist kind of in the middle of the spectrum, right? Because I think we can both recognize this is a bad movie, but it's also really goofy and a lot of fun. Um, and there's yeah. fun to be had with it. Um, so, you know, that's why it, it seems silly to do a serious episode where we go over the plot in a lot of minutia. Um, and it also seems silly to just kind of rag on the film about why it's terrible because we can, most people can kind of agree on that. So we're kind of going to do a little bit of something in the middle. Yeah. And here's the best way to describe my thoughts about the movies that like, like I said, it's bad. I, I rate all the movies and I log all the movies I watch uh, using the letterbox app. And I give this movie four stars and a heart. It's bad. It's a bad movie, but I enjoy it so much. I, I have to put, I've, I've seen it so many times and I will always continue to enjoy watching it. So I, how do you how do you rate it you know yeah. like, what do i use as criteria yeah this is tough i will say uh if i see if i'm flipping through channels and uh phantom menace is on unless it's the, the you know the climax of the lightsaber fight i just you know skip if yeah. attack of the clones is on basically wherever it is in the film i'll probably 
I'll probably just jump into it. You know, if did you ever think about if you got rid of Star Wars Episode One and you just said the Phantom Menace and you marketed it as if someone was like, oh yeah, it's this like tense political thriller. Could you see that like a '90s political thriller just called the Phantom Menace? Yeah, it like also the Manchurian me, candidate of the of the modern it era. It also really makes me think of that Billy Zane vehicle, the Phantom that didn't oh, take yeah. off. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Billy Zane. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, sure. Attack of the Clones was released in 2002. It was directed and written in part by George Lucas. The other screenwriter, Jonathan Hales, uh, notably has only really other one major big studio movie to his credit, which is The Scorpion King. Okay. Speaking of prequels. Not thanks. a great movie. Um, and I, I think important to mention here about the screenwriting, I think a lot of Star Wars fans uh will like point to George Lucas for both the best and the worst aspects of the star Wars films. Yeah. Uh, he is responsible for large chunks of it. Uh, but people have to remember that. So some of the worst of these movies. So for example, this one, he did have a co-screenwriter and some of the best movies in that series, like empire strikes back, not written by him, or he had a pretty significant screenwriter. So a very well-known screenwriter. Right. Yeah. I yes. mean, this, the dialogue in this movie is absolutely horrible. Um, (laughs) to say the least, um, we'll get into that. Um, this movie was scored by John Williams, of course, who is really the MVP of the prequel trilogy. Um, what's the, the duel of the fates. That song is just outstanding. I would say the love theme from this film is pretty great. Yes, that too. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of, you know, the development of this movie, I, I don't, think we have very many notes uh one of the more notable things i wanted to mention is just that like george lucas was he he saw this as the time to do these movies because in his view you know technology had advanced to such an incredible degree and in parallel with the development of phantom menace you have peter jackson who was developing the lord of the rings in the late 90s and he was also like, then now's the time to make Lord of the Rings. And while we got Lord of the Rings, which I think are just absolutely fantastic movies, you have George Lucas over here fiddling with his CGI and having a movie that's like 99% CGI. And if you look at Lord of the Rings in this, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, you know, this is a sci-fi movie, Lord of the Rings, you can do more practical effects, sort of. There's really not a huge excuse for why there aren't more. Well, but, I mean, but here's the thing. Lord of the Rings as a film is an adaptation. You have to work with what is in the text. Sure. This is all off the top of George Lucas's head. Like if he wanted to make up a story that included nothing but practical effects, he could. He just chose to make this, you know, extremely crazy 99% CGI kind of Frankenstein monster. And I think too, uh, when you watch Lord of the Rings, the CGI and the special effects are very much in service to the story. When you watch the prequel films, and again, say what you will about the prequel films, there's they're having a bit of a renaissance as of now for reasons I don't understand. But they're always having a renaissance. Yeah, but there are people who defend them. But they're they're just like I think the CGI in the prequel films, they like it doesn't service the story really. It services like the setting and the flavor, I guess. But those to me seem far less important than like the characters. And I think that's where, I think that's what the difference between those two series is. Yeah. I mean, these movies are a dead body and the CGI is what's dragging them through the mud. Or how about this? How about <laughs> okay. this? 
both movies are dead bodies, right? Both movies are dead bodies. Which movie? Wait, what? Both what? Uh, Lord of the Rings and uh, no, Star Wars. not dead bodies. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm just saying <laughs> okay. in this metaphor, they're dead bodies, right? Sure. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings CGI is like you're just like airbrushing enough color into the cheeks to make the the dead body seem alive, you know. Whereas like Attack of the Clones is like you're taking out MS Paint and drawing a smiley face on the dead body to make <laughs> someone think it's you know what I mean like that's I, the difference. I do appreciate it. I still I, I love Lord of the Rings so much that I even hesitate to use the term dead body in an analogy. I know. But I love it. I I love it too. Let's agree. The much greater, much stronger film series than the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you have another note for the for the development? Yeah. So um. George Lucas uh, likes to say that he had Star Wars kind of beginning, middle and end all in his head. And he just kind of like spilled it out onto the page. Right. Which is such fucking bullshit. Especially if you like, if you watch interviews of him during different eras of time, like his story changes completely. Um, I think he would love to have had it all in his head going in. I also think it's totally fine to not have the entire story in your head. I agree. And I think it's like, I think it's his own self-consciousness that makes him try and defend himself that way. Like George, if you didn't, it's okay. But um, in the uh, production of this film, and I only know this because as a kid I owned, and we can get to this in history, but I own the DVDs to these movies. And I, you know, I always love watching special features. So I watched the special features on on all of these. Like, Oh yeah. Again, it looks confused sometimes. Yeah, and people are challenging him, and he's like, uh, "Wait, what?" He's like, he's making it up as he goes along. And I know that for this film, they uh, went through several different villains for the draft. I think the the skeleton of like what the villain would do uh, stayed the same, but like what the villain was like and who they were changed. Um, and I know originally it was uh, a, a female villain, Asajj Ventress, which later went on to get used as part of the Clone Wars TV show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think it's just indicative of like the process of the prequel trilogies that he really didn't know who he even wanted the villain to be. He just kind of knew what the villain would vaguely do. Um, and I just think it's so indicative of his process and also the villain that he landed on, which is like an old white man, which just like seems so bizarre to me because yeah. the, the villain of the, the series, argue, not even arguably, is Palpatine, right? Which is like an old white man. Yep. And Darth Vader, like he's an old white man. Like it's, and I, I'm not saying this like out of wokeness. I'm just saying it out of like, just, isn't that a boring trope? Diversify, buddy. Like it's just boring, right? Like, yeah. so it seems odd to me that he had this idea for a villain that's like this very sensual, uh, young female villain that he was like, nah, I'm going to go with a boring old white guy. Um, I think casting Christopher Lee is inspired, but I mean, great you know, choice. Christopher Lee is great anywhere. But he probably doesn't but, care. No. But I, I just think the idea, like even just the idea of, and, and I only remember this because I remember watching the special features religiously and they showed kind of concept art of different villains. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't you go with some of these, you know, for your villain? And it's, and it, it just, and the same thing can be said of General Grievous in episode three, but I don't want to talk too much about the other films, but the same thing with him too. Like, I just remember watching the special features. He's like, I don't know. I just wanted a really scary, like villain droid guy. Yeah. And I think it's indicative because we're talking about the development, but I think it's indicative of like the structure of the prequel trilogy in general mm-hmm. that like, and I thought a lot when I was thinking about this film and what we, what we could talk about the idea of prequels versus sequels and how um, both of them can have problems, but how prequels set 
yourself, you set yourself up for failure so much harder with a prequel than you do with a sequel. Um, and, and one of them is one of the problems is like a prequel. It just feels like you're checking boxes, right? So mm-hmm. that the audience, by the time you get to uh, the first film, like quote unquote, the original film, it feels like you have explained everything that came before, whether or not it needs explaining. So like in episode one, we need to meet Anakin, right? Yeah. So that, that gets done. Episode two, we need to see Anakin and Obi-Wan together and we need to see Anakin do something bad. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Really. And then we need something with cl- the Clone War, right? That's it. Yep. And then in episode three, we need to see him turning into Darth Vader, which is a lot, right? That's that's a lot to put on the third movie. But these first two movies, like in terms of what it needs to get done plot-wise, not a lot. Like, honestly, right. not a lot. Um, and the fact that it still bungles that is just really weird to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just like the idea of the villains in the prequel trilogies versus the original trilogy, like... I, I, it's just, there's so much lamer. There, there's so much lamer. And again, it, I, I mean, I, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I feel like, my only comment on that is that I feel like they, George Lucas thought that people's excitement for seeing Anakin break bad was going to carry them through these, this prequel trilogy. I, I think you say so. that's, that's, that's I, I accurate. Yeah, and then when we see him break bad, it's it's a lot of whining and crying and beating his wife. It's not like it's not <laughs> badass. It's not great. No, it's not. I mean, part of that, I think, you know, if you really broad strokes, if you just said kind of, if George Lucas described what he wanted to happen with Anakin's arc and you had top writers and top actors working to make that vision a reality, I think it works in a lot of ways. Um, but as we'll get into the writing is terrible and Hayden Christensen is just awful in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But why don't you tell, okay. So tell me about the first time you saw it. So presumably when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like Phantom Menace, I saw it when it came out. Um, I was in a weird place. Like it's, you know, when Phantom Menace came out, I was 10 and when this came out, I was 13 and it, there was definitely a lot of a big change between them. Like 10, I was like, I'm in for anything. And despite all the politics involved in the Phantom Menace, I was like, I'm still in for this. I, I like Jedi, I like fighting. Like I could pick the parts of it I liked and I was excited. I mean, I was, I was really into Star Wars um, in any fashion. And I'd already seen the, you know, the original trilogy many, many times before any of these came out. Um so I was pretty excited for Attack of the Clones. I don't remember being like, this is going to be the longest three years of my life. You know, I was a kid. I had plenty of other things to keep my attention. Um, but I remember the year of it coming out, I was really excited. And, and you know, my uh, my aunt and uncle, uh, one of my aunts and uncles were in particular, like really, really into Star Wars. And we would talk all the time and bond over Star Wars. And we would talk about, you know, oh, what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? We were just kind of like trying to lay out the story of these prequel movies uh, and every time we would see one we'd be like okay what's gonna happen next like is he gonna turn into Darth Vader in this movie how's he gonna turn into Darth Vader um what, what are they gonna do with the Clone Wars and so there was a lot of like ideas we had floating out floating around and so I was I was pretty excited and, and when I saw it I I would I gotta t- tell you I I liked it um 
not and I'm not trying to hesitate by saying like judge my 13 year old self for liking this movie. Like I, it was kind of like the first one I could see like things that you know annoyed me or I didn't care. And maybe I didn't, I probably was old enough to recognize bad acting, but I didn't care. I, I was interested in what Anakin was going through. Um, the, you know, I didn't think I had an appreciation for like, you know, good dialogue versus bad dialogue. You know, I was just like interested in plot points. And I think this movie delivered. It was not at all what I expected. I remember being very, it just being very kind of blown away at how different this was, but I enjoyed it. Um, what about you? So I, like you, um, huge Star Wars fan as a kid. Um, we had the VHS copies of the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I watched those with my brothers, like, ad nauseum, right? Yep. So, loved all of them. I was very excited about Phantom Menace. I, you know, I also was 10. We're the same age. So definitely looking forward to it. I read, like, the kid novelization before I saw it. Like, I... I love the movie. I was super into it. I loved seeing the Jedi like when they were younger and I wanted to see more of them. Um, and then I remember uh, like hearing a lot of backlash about the film, but as a kid, I was like, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, and then I remember uh, getting the VHS copy of the movie. Cause you know, it's, you know, six months goes by, you get the film. And I remember watching oh, yeah. it again because I saw it in theaters, I think twice. Um, and then I remember seeing it again at home and I'm like, Oh, like now that I can fast forward through this, um, I'm going to fast forward through a lot of this stuff. I think I did that like, too. Which is weird because in the other Star Wars movies, I, I, I didn't do that. Like Star Wars one, you know, I'm going to call them one, two, three, but you know, you know, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Like those movies, even today, like uh, Return of the Jedi, I'm going to skip a lot of the Ewok stuff, but the first oh, two films. Oh, I like, don't. Well, but that's the point. Like the first, those original films, like I'm in it from beginning to end. Like yeah. I'm not really skipping much. I remember even as a kid, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to skip to the parts I like. Um, so I, I recognized like there was something about Phantom Menace that like I didn't quite love like the others. So by the time uh, Attack of the Clones came out, I was excited for it, but I knew like, okay, it, it, you know, it may not be the be all end all. I remember seeing it and enjoying parts of it and liking kind of the actiony parts of it. Definitely. I definitely enjoyed seeing more of the Jedi Order, more of the Jedi together. Because again, this is before, you know, the Clone Wars TV show. This is before a lot of Star Wars media and extended universe properties um, that weren't just kind of books and comics. So this is the first time on like the big screen, you're seeing multiple Jedi kind of team up and that kind of blew yeah. my mind and I loved it. But also at the same time, I was 13. I was kind of at that age where you start recognizing like, oh, this isn't maybe the best. Um, you know, when you're a little kid, you have that, that, that lens, that filter of like, oh, everything must be great. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, 12, 13, 14, that's the age where you kind of see like, oh, you know, maybe everything's not the greatest thing in the world. So I remember seeing it and recognizing that it wasn't awesome, but that I still really liked it. Um, and then on subsequent watch throughs, I kind of went through, uh, a, kind of a rocky relationship with, especially with this film. Um, Phantom Menace to this day is still very much like, I'm just going to skip large swaths of that movie to cut to the parts I like. Uh, this film, as you said, like it's so weird and it's so fascinatingly bad. Uh, like yeah. there were, there were times before where I just would not even watch this movie at all. I would skip it. But now I'm at a point where like it, the choices made are so kind of weird. Um, I, I am into it. Whereas the choices in Phantom Menace that I don't care for are just kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, the choices in this movie are weird and I will always take weird over boring. 
I, I would too. And this is a movie I don't skip any of. I don't skip anything. And I, I mean, really, I'm kind of against skipping stuff in general, not against anyone doing it, but just myself. I'll watch episodes one, two, and three without skipping anything. Um, not that, that and usually because there's something fun about it. Like if parts I don't like, I find funny. There's nothing I, I in, in any of the prequel trilogies where I'm like, good Lord, get to the next scene. Like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it either because I just enjoy it and I, I like it. And I think it's, it's good if not flawed or it's just so bad. I'm enjoying it. I mean, I know it's cliche, but anything with Jar Jar, I'm like, I, I can't just because there's, he's been done to death and you can't yeah. even, there's not even clever things to say about him at this point or those stupid fucking droids. I, I can't stand their stupid, silly voices. I hate it. <laughs> I hate well, it. so really quick, how would you summarize how your opinions changed in tw- the 20 years? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a real sign you soidal wave. Um, yeah, I would no, agree it's, that. yeah, I would say uh, as a kid liked it, recognized flaws. I went through a long period where I'm like garbage, not watching it. And now I've settled on like, this is watchably very bad, and weird and i appreciate that yeah i went through a long period probably towards the end of the aughts like just not watching it um this was one of the first dvds i bought um i watched it a lot when i when i you know earlier on and then i think i would say in the last 10 years i have i came around on it um i I would still watch it and i'd still enjoy it but now i i really i really enjoy these watching these prequel movies because they're so silly um i well we won't get deep into this but like i enjoy watching these movies more than well i was gonna say like the the newest trilogy but i've only of those i have not seen rise of skywalker more than once and i honestly don't care about revisiting that movie because I, I don't think I don't think it was bad in a way that I will enjoy on a rewatch like these. So yeah, I would say uh, Rise of Skywalker is amazing on a first watch. I remember seeing that movie in the theater for the first time and just truly laughing out, like belly yes. laughing out loud at certain parts because it was so like, bizarrely out of left field. But I have rewatched it since, and it's less like out loud funny and more like, oh, like cringy, like, oh, yeah. you, did, you did that, huh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's get into some of the general stuff. You know, we again, we got, you know, certain topics we're going to hit on, um, probably start a little bit broader and then get a little bit narrower. Um, the first note that I had had, the title of this movie where do you put it on a scale of abysmal to fantastic? And I will just say that I think it is the worst Star Wars title of all nine movies. Um, that's not necessarily an original thought. It is just, I don't really mind it. I think it just stands out. It stands out too much. It's just being like, what? And, and you know, Brandon and I watched, uh, rewatched this last night and she made a great point. She was like, when the clones arrive, they're defending the Jedi. They're not really attacking. And like, they're on the attack in the sense that they're for the purposes of defending. So when in this movie are they actually attacking? And this well, is it's almost like this is just it, 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 the, the, the title of the movie almost seems like an afterthought attention grabber. Well, and that's so that's exactly kind of what it is. So, uh, I mean, George Lucas has made no secret that. Star Wars, uh, one of the inspirations is uh, like pulp serials, like Flash Gordon, things like yeah. that, right? 
Um, so a lot of the titles are like references to that, right? Like big, crazy, dramatic titles like Revenge of the Sith and uh, em- The Empire Strikes Back, which when you think about it, The Empire Strikes Back is kind of an absolutely insane title to a movie. Yeah. Um, it kind of gets a free pass because it's Star Wars. But like, think about that. The movie is named The Empire Strikes Back. It sounds incredibly stupid. And it, lame. it does. I, but, it, but would you agree that just like kind of the words just work? You know, like Attack of the Clones, well, but also the, the Empire, the Empire, weird. the Empire struck back in that movie. Like well, that, that was too. the plot of that movie. Like the, the, to even get to the clones, we don't even find out what the clones are until like halfway through this film. And then when they do attack, you're right; they're, they're actually they're they're defending, really. Yeah, I mean, it's almost uh, like it, they will attack. I mean, it, Attack of the Clones might as well have been the title of the third of Episode Three. <laughs> Kind of like I actually, actually weirdly, yes, attack like that makes yeah. way more sense. Um, I, I, I think this is an example of like those pulp origins of the name, but I like this is just so silly and too much. Like I, I would have been fine with a very pulpy name, but it just doesn't even connect to the plot. Like also, I, I would, I would put this equally as bad as Rise of Skywalker because I think Rise of Skywalker really uh, doesn't doesn't connect to the plot at that's all that's probably what i would have as my number two yeah. worst yeah um yeah i think no i think even just from the title we get into like really weird goofy territory on this thing and again it's like i don't hate it like it doesn't hurt me that it's called attack of the clones i just think it's i think it's illogical and inaccurate and weird yeah um all right also, we should clarify, like, again, we're not going to go like plot point by plot point. We just have a list of bullet points of weird things that we found about the movie. And we're kind of just going to go point by point. Yeah, but they will get narrower. I mean, I, yeah. I organized the, you know, the later ones to kind of be in the order in which these things are happening. Right. In the plot. And so we'll kind of cover the plot in that way. Um, I don't want to linger on this point too long, but obviously the writing and the acting is bad. Um, what do you think is more to blame for it? And I, and I, and I mostly want to know, do you think that really good actors could have saved this movie a little bit with the exact same script? I, I agree. And let me just name some other actors who were considered or auditioned for the role of Anakin, Joshua Jackson, Ryan Philby, Colin Hanks, Paul Walker. Of those, I think that everyone but Colin Hanks could have looked the part and pulled it off. I, Colin I, Hanks I, was being the notable standout in terms of acting. I think they all could have. Colin Hanks, I think, would have still been weird. Yeah, I agree. Out of all of those, I would probably want Ryan Phillippe, but I would just... have probably said Paul Walker. I don't know uh, if he had the range. Ryan Phillippe would have had. A Ryan Phillippe has the range. Joshua Jackson and Ryan Phillippe have the range. That's, That's true. Yeah. Yep. Paul Walker, I think, is the way I would have like wanted. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I fully agree with you. Uh, I, I two points. One, I think that uh, it's always the case that bad writing can be elevated by acting. I just I think that's. I think if you're going to elevate three, if you have three components, right? You have the the writing, the acting, and the directing, right? Yeah. I think the writing can be the weakest element every time, every single time the writing can be the weakest element, as long as the other two pull their weight and perfect example. And I know you've seen this. There are moments from the show lost 
where if you are, if you read the dialogue, you're like, guys, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? Like who, who is in this writer's room? But I think the actors in that show, like put in Herculean effort to make (laughs) the bad, ridiculous writing work. Um, And you know what I mean, right? You know what I'm talking about. Lost is not always, but it can be very badly written. But I think the directing and especially the acting in that show pull it out. I do agree that there is lots of bad acting on display here, especially from Hayden Christensen. And he kind of has to carry the movie. uh, So it kind of falls apart around him. However, I do think that, again, in that triangle, you are leaving out because, you know, is it the writing, is it the acting? You're also leaving out the directing, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think from interviews that I've seen uh, from, you know, people in the prequel trilogies, like George Lucas did not direct his actors. I think he directed the special effects people very well. Yeah. Uh, I do not think he did an adequate job directing his actors. Especially because not only did he not direct it very well, but also like working off of only a green screen, like as an actor, that's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, Only being able to work off of, you know, your other actors in the scene or not even anyone else like by yourself. Like that's tough. Yeah. And speaking of that bad writing, um, I just had another note that, the Anakin and Obi-Wan dynamic in this is one of the most important aspects to what this trilogy should have given us. Yeah. One of the things that even as a kid, I was like, I can't wait to see Anakin and Obi-Wan as friends. Yeah, it's horrible. And it's, it's awful. It's horrible. It, it, um, Obi-Wan is just this like helicopter parent who it's just a really bad parent in general, but is like kind of half-assing it in a way. Just it more like enjoys the part about parenting where you get to scold your kid. Yes. Yes. That's, that's literally, that's, that's it. That's like what he takes joy out of here. I, and the two the other, like, this is a fundamental flaw of it's like Chekhov's gun, but instead of like hiding the gun in a drawer, it's like you're opening with the gun, like having shot all the bullets. Like (laughs) it it means nothing when we eventually see Anakin and Obi-Wan turn on each other. If the first thing we see of them and true, we did see Anakin and Obi-Wan meet in Phantom Menace, but like they didn't know each other. They didn't get a lot of meaningful interaction. This movie is where we should see them in their prime. Right. Yep. Instead, we just see them in this weird, like, like you said, like helicopter parenty, like bickery, like annoyed relationship where it's like, the only way we will feel anything for that turn when they eventually turn on each other is if we see them love each other first. And if we see them be friends first, yeah. I do, I do think episode three redeems that. A I little was just going to say it does it a little bit better. And the, the, the level they're operating on in the beginning of three is where they should have been yes. at for yes. this one. Yes. With a and- little bit of the parenting thing, because Anakin has to feel that Obi-Wan's holding him back. Right. But also to episode three, like, gets a little too campy and a little too silly with yes. how like, friendly they are. Whereas that I think that would have been a perfect fit for this film because the stakes are so much lower, especially in the beginning of this film. Why not see them be like campy and being buddies and being silly and fun. Like the beginning of episode three, I want to see them be like friends and, and like mentor, you know, relationship, but like less silly because the beginning of episode three is a little bit more of an intense situation. This like technically speaking is like a regular day for them kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just feels awful. Yeah. (laughs) Just feels awful. And kind of building off that you had a great point about who the main character of this entire trilogy is. And that's the thing I was thinking about too, a lot this week with like, why, why do a prequel right versus a sequel 
and a prequel again you're just you're you're tying your own hands behind your back because it's less about character arcs and more about like filling in the plot points and so that's why i think there's like a real vacuum in terms of a main character because let's think about it anakin should be the main character of this trilogy but he's not yeah. right we only really meet him halfway through the first film his his contributions to phantom menace are like negligible like he gets to blow up that starfighter but like as a character he doesn't really get anything to do in this film like again he's not really the main character because we're not totally on his side because of some of the things that he does but also just in terms of who the movie follows we don't really follow him the whole way we follow obi-wan like kind of 50 percent of this film yeah and you could make the argument that obi-wan's the main character of the prequel trilogy because it kind of opens with him and qui-gon um, he kind of gets half the movie here, but also no, like Obi-Wan's not the main character either because in each film, he kind of only really gets like, eh, like barely half the plot. And then also if we're looking at like a narrative arc, really no one gets one in the prequels. Obi-Wan kind of begins one, right? His like, his, his being a shitty teacher, essentially, that's his yeah. art. But he doesn't get to complete that until A New Hope when he has his confrontation with Darth Vader. Right. So the entire, like, who is the main character? There are- It's Palpatine. Because the main character is the political aspect of this trilogy and it's Palpatine's rise to power. Honestly, I would I would kind of take that. I here's you can make what a straight-faced argument. Yeah, me. here's what I think would be interesting. I'll make the straight-faced argument. Do like let's do a Star Wars prequel trilogy, but let's not in any way, shape, or form concern ourselves with Luke, with setting up Luke, with setting up Darth Vader, with setting up any of that. Let's just do like boom, 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 like Sheev Palpatine's rise to power. I would watch that. I would I gotta say when I meant to mention this earlier when I was talking about how I felt about this movie as a kid, and you know, especially like Phantom Menace. When I when I saw Palpatine in Phantom Menace, I was like, holy shit. Amazing. I Amazing. cannot wait to yeah. see how he becomes like how everyone like finds out that he's the emperor or that he's, you know, that he's a Sith Lord. Like I, I mean, I couldn't wait. And that was carrying me throughout all three of these movies. Well, also like regardless too of you know the writing or the the plot points, like Ian McDermott, like gold star like 10 out of 10 deserves absolutely. like even at his silliest absolutely riveting as a performer yeah I, I touching on episode three really quick the scene where he takes anakin to that like show and talks to him oh, about it, darth plague is wise incredible scene yeah yeah um all right you want to get into some of the more plot specific stuff yeah um so like <laughs> the separatists. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about this a lot too. And this is kind of a broader point we can argue. Like, so the villains in star Wars episode six, or I'm sorry, episode four, um, four, five and six is the empire, right? It's very clear black and white, right? This is a rebellion. White. We are rebelling against the evil empire. Yeah. It's very black and white and literally black and white, right? The empire is black and white and the rebels have very earth tone, like foresty colors, like they're yep. a little more wrecked, et cetera, et cetera, right? Very clear. Also, um, uh, George Lucas himself mentioned like, hey, uh, I got a lot of this. This is very archetypal. You know, this is, I got a lot of these ideas from like Jung and from, you know, the hero with a thousand faces. And like the Star Wars story is supposed to be a very like monomyth kind of simple idea, right? Yep. So it makes sense to have the enemies be just a very black and white evil empire and your good guys be this very ragtag group of rebels who are rebelling against it. The villains in the prequel trilogy, and this just bleeds into all the, you know, kind of weird politicking, but 
it's very messy to have the villains be separatists because a revolution is a much easier idea to get behind than a civil war, right? Mm -hmm. A revolution implies that like we've tried everything else and the government must be overthrown. Right. And when you're watching Star Wars four, five, and six, that's where they're at, right? Like this government must be overthrown. Whereas watching a civil war, it's like, okay, in a civil war, that implies that like both sides have valid points. Yeah, you need to understand both of their sides in order to make your choice. And in these movies, like all we know about the separatists is that they are separate, but Mm -hmm. we don't know any, and they're led by Count Dooku, I guess, who is like a random white guy, but like, what does he really want? We don't, we know nothing about them. We know absolutely nothing about them except for the fact that they are bad and that they want to leave the Republic. But the whole point also of these prequel films that Lucas is bringing up is that the Republic isn't great. So then it's like, who, who, where do my sympathies lie here? Like, this is very messy. And it like, it just seems very odd to me that after these very archetypal, very like clear cut initial films, we want to go back. And now, now we're getting messy with it and being real weird and political and like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like, because you don't know who to side with, which I'm playing the devil's advocate here. You could say like, well, that's the whole point. Like, this is a very mysterious time. Like Darth Sidious. It's, it's not though. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not. I think it's just, he was attempting to make it more complicated. Yeah. And it just blew up in his face. Broad strokes. The idea as a 30, almost 33 year old person, I feel like I look back at like seeing like, uh, you know, the idea is like, okay, these episodes one through three is about like bringing the Republic into chaos so that they can be tricked into electing me as chancellor or as emperor, basically. That's like, I like that idea. The political manipulations that go into basically making everybody bow to you. Even if the Republic isn't great. I like, I just like that idea for this prequel trilogy that's more interesting to me now than being like how did anakin become darth vader like now that it's done well because it's not it's not uh neither one of those things is done well but if you just the idea of the political aspect of this how palpatine rose to power is so much more fascinating of an idea to well what's weird is like there is there was way too much of that in episode one but it basically amounted to nothing right yeah and then there's i would argue probably too little of it here because we don't know exactly what's going on in terms of like what do the separatists want why are they separate but it also adds to nothing yeah so it's like you can have too too many words that that equals nothing or here too few words also equals nothing yeah i don't know what the answer is but it's not this. neither do i um, so, so this movie opens with a couple of atta- assassination attempts on Padme's life. Um, I want to talk about the second one because, sure. well, the first one, it, we, it's just a bomb. Boom. Yeah. It's it just a bomb. It doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, there's a line. It's just like, I was wrong. There was no danger at all. Like just so, so bad. I don't even know if that's the exact also line, too. But... like her body double is murdered, right? For the yeah. first one. And they kind of just really roll with that punch and like, just move right along. We, we got to go leave her here. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So Django Fett hires an assassin named... Even though he himself is an assassin. Is an assassin. But, when, and that assassin uses a robot that puts worms, <laughs> these yes. poisonous worms, into Padme's bedroom. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a more efficient way to kill someone uh, that might leave no evidence, like, you know, worms. Uh, how are the worms going to get out? You know? Maybe they're self-destructing worms. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I guess we don't know. Maybe they were going to crawl into her mouth and then blow up. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That would be a great idea. Oh, my God. Uh, Like, yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, bomb chews. Um, That's great. uh, So Anakin, like, tries to save her. He almost kills her. No matter how, like, I get your your takeaway is supposed to be like, man, Anakin's skilled. But to me, him jumping right onto her bed and just slicing, like, viciously... Is like now when I watch him, like man, what if she just jerked the wrong way? Like he doesn't know. Also, too, in terms of like threats for Anakin to dispatch, that shows he's like a, a badass who's in control. A pair of worms, probably not your best option. Yeah. Um. Obi Wan, then after viciously lecturing, like just. <laughs> He's just constantly emasculating. Well, and so here's here's the thing like this. So this is set up as it's trying to accomplish two things. One, it's to show like Padme's life is in danger. We have this assassin, but also two, like it's supposed to show like this is a day on the job for them. Yeah. And And it's supposed to show both that and that like this is their relationship. Yeah. And I think it does a shitty job at both. It does. It does. And it's funny that it, it hypocritical Obi-Wan after telling Anakin to like calm the fuck down uh, and not investigate who's trying to kill Padme, but rather to just protect her. This robot tries to get away. Obi-Wan jumps out of the window after the robot. This So we see a lot of crazy Jedi shit in the prequel trilogy, which I liked as a kid and I still enjoy it now. For some reason, this seems crazier than some of the other crazy Jedi shit that happens in this prequel trilogy. Like, do you, do you remember seeing like Obi-Wan jump and then just escalates from there? But oh, more than in anything in The Phantom Menace, despite how vicious the mall, the mall fight was, for some reason, to me at least, seeing Obi-Wan jump out of a window without a second thought to grab a robot, knowing that if he missed, he'd just fall super far. And not and I, I just, as a kid i'm like how, how would he survive that I, I don't know what jedis can do i mean i guess as a jedi he would survive but like he's fucked because it's gonna take him like hours to get back to where he even was but even that like I, I still feel like there we, we i didn't get a full grasp on like how good are jedis despite like seeing maul like to me like it, it's still like uh, makes me think of it every time him jumping out the window just is like whoa that is like risky but apparently whoa. jedis can do anything and then and then eventually like that gets overshadowed by Anakin just jumping out of the car on landing on another one. Well, and so it's a couple things. So one, I, again, it goes to that, like, we're supposed to see that this is just like a normal day for them. And so jumping off a building is like, we're supposed to see like Jedi are so badass. This is just a normal thing for them. They just jump off the building. Um, but I, I think it, I think they're trying to do it for that, like rule of cool. Like, isn't it so cool that they do these death defying things is just part of their job all the time, which like, I get that. And it's to show that they're hyper capable. Yeah. But you can accomplish that without it being so absurd. Um, also, too, it runs into this problem where it's like, I, I get the idea that like Jedi are cool, right? And you want to show that Jedi are capable. I, I get it. 
But if you go way too overboard with that, it runs the risk of being like, well, then why the fuck didn't they figure out that Palpatine is a Sith Lord like <laughs> exactly. years ago, right? Exactly. If they're these amazing Uber warriors, like, like why couldn't they figure the, that out? The, I mean, this is probably a conversation for a different episode or maybe an episode three type pod, the highest episode. But like the fact that the Jedi are can't see Palpatine rise to power is ridiculous. I mean, when you think about it, like when Luke talks about it in the in the other movies, like episodes seven through nine, he's like, you know, at the height of their power, the Jedi let Palpatine rise to power. Just that in isolation, like that's a little chilling. It's like, wow, like these strong Jedi like fucked up because the Sith are so great. Hearing that line, that's what you'd think. But when you see this and like the way it was implemented is like the Jedi are stupid. Yeah. Like they're just stupid. <laughs> well, also too, it's like it's not like he's being very incognito. Like especially by the episode by episode three, it's like they reference how he's like done numerous things to like cling to power when he should not have. So it's like now you don't need special powers. It's like you just need to be a logical person to be like get him out of there. Right, and the the biggest reaction that you're getting at that point from like Windu and Yoda, they're just like ah, I don't like that he's still in power. Like they're not looking deeper into it. They're just disgruntled. Yeah. Um, really quick. So, you know, this, this chasing ends, I just think the line, uh, at the bar Jedi business, go back to your drinks is the, the confidence with which he delivers that line or like the confidence with which Anakin says that line is just, it makes me laugh. Um, well, okay. So there's a couple of things with that. So, uh, I, I, I think that when we hear, uh, about the Jedi order in like in the other movies about how amazing it was. Right. Uh, like our impression is like the Jedi were great. The Jedi were everywhere, but they're not you, police They're Well, they are, but that of, line but, is like, they're like police that are just like, ah, it's Jedi just, well, but so, so someone, and it's, it's like course, Batman being Batman business, go back to your drinks. Like oh, Batman's not right. the police, but so here's, here's the thing. So this is what I always think of when I think of that line. Um, someone did the math on it. And they're like, if you think about how big the star Wars universe is, and how many citizens there must be versus the population of Jedi that exists. Mm -hmm. Statistically, your odds of ever seeing a Jedi in the Star Wars universe are like 0. 0.0000000001. True. And so for someone to actually see a Jedi would probably be so fucking mind-blowing. Now, it's different because it's Coruscant, so they probably maybe see Jedi more frequently. But it kind of makes sense that Jedi are thought of in these like wildly like religious, insane terms in the later films if you do think about like actually your odds of even True. seeing jedi business is so like infinitesimally small i'm glad you did the math on this i didn't, I didn't ex- I, well i mean you, you i'm glad you you're making these comments i didn't expect you to. but it kind of like because later when you hear you know oh the jedi were these legendary people and blah 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 and then you as you know you're like no but they're like a bunch of goons but if you think about it like because we've seen the movies so we know they're a bunch of goons but if you were in the the universe of star wars it's like actually jedi are kind of legendary like you really wouldn't yeah. see them Anyway, sorry, that was my aside. But um, in the bar, uh, we have this drug dealer guy, I guess, who is selling death sticks. (laughs) So I can't criticize George Lucas for this directly. It could be the other screenwriter. But um, one of my biggest pet peeves in science fiction, um, Mm -hmm. or I guess all of fiction really, is when you just lack imagination so much that you can't even make up 
a new concept for like for something and you just take something that exists in the real world and give it a new name that's just the laziest intellectually bankrupt thing you can do um and death sticks are just cigarettes right like they're just yeah, cigarettes definitely. just like what it, this is a this is a universe where anything is possible right and you have these <laughs> magical like wizards with laser swords and you can't even think of like a fun drug that people would like to get fucked up on that like <laughs> Obi-Wan would be trying like, to talk people out of. As a writer and a lover of science fiction and fiction in general, I would love an opportunity to be like stretch my creative muscles and be like, hey, I know it's only one line, but let's come up with a really cool idea yeah. for a drug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Going along with that. So into the next scene, we get Obi-Wan kind of investigating what's going on. Um, and this may be jumping around the plot just a little bit, but there's a character, Dexter, Dexter. Yeah. Dexter. I, I wanted to talk about like the next sequence of just like Obi-Wan investigating the assassination attempt. Right. And let's, let's very briefly talk about Dexter first, then we'll jump back to him investigating. But again, it's like, this it's is just, the investigation. This is, well, this yeah. is, but like him specifically, <clears throat> like my sister pointed this out and it's so true. She's like, this is a, this is a galaxy far, far away with where any, literally anything is possible. And this is all CGI and they can make anything. And they just make this character a big fat Italian. Yeah. Experience. They made an American diner, an American diner. And he's just like a big fat Italian guy with a mustache. Yeah. No offense to Italians. Out everything, there, like, everything is through like the white person, white Americans lens. Well, it's through the white American, like weirdly 1950s noir lens yeah. that like he's, he's channeling here. Which, like, again, like, I, I, what I think he's going for is, is that I think he's paying homage to like noir stories that he grew up enjoying, which is fine, right? Much in the same way that the original trilogy is an homage to like old serials. That's fine. Yeah. But there's a way to do that that is like an homage that works. And there's a way to do that where it's so out of place and glaring and stupid. It's this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and that's what he did. Yeah. And it, the the thing I find amusing about the Dexter Jester thing, and this is also kind of skipping to where the younglings are in Yoda's class and Obi-Wan asks them to like help him find Kamino, where he's like, he's going to Yoda, be like, I can't find Kamino. But how many people know more or appear to know more than the entire Jedi archives can tell? <laughs> now, I think Miranda brought up, and I hope I don't butcher this, this point, that, that Yoda actually knew the answer and was just kind of quizzing the younglings. But I've always gotten the impression that Yoda didn't know, Obi-Wan didn't know, and one of the younglings was like, hey, how about this? And then Yoda was like, shit, kids are smart. And it's like, that doesn't come off as like, kids are smart. That comes off of like, you guys are dumb. Well, also, how did Miranda know that? How? Yeah. I think I think the way that Yoda, I, I looked at it through that lens. Like, I think what, the way that Yoda asks the question, it's kind of like, ooh, this is a tricky thing. Oh, okay. And anyone else like I, I thought she, you were gonna say, oh, because she watches Clone Wars and they explain it in Clone Wars or something. Oh, they do explain. Oh, oh, or, well, I, that's I the thing. I like she does but, watch Clone Wars, but I don't know if they ever explain. No, I think that was just the impression she got from the way that Yoda that scene uh, plays out. I see, I see. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know either way. I, I still think Dexter Jetster knowing random stuff that the Jedi Order doesn't is kind of bizarre. 
Yeah. Um, can we talk about one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars? And one of my most hated characters in all yes. of Star Wars, Jocasta New. Jocasta New, the librarian of the Jedi Archives. I love Jocasta New. She gets redeemed in some of the supplemental material, like the extended universe stuff. So I like her. Um, she's a big fucking waste of time here. And I she's think pretty, she's just a big old bitch. She, she's a big old bitch. She's a waste of time. And she's not even very good at her job. And this, she's, she's just like, if it's not in the archives, it's it, not, does, it does not exist. And she like even does this like physical like humph and then walks away like storms away to this like youngling in the distance like it's just it's bad physical. So and I'm I'm acting. gonna say that she's having a bad day. Clearly, uh, yeah. She's probably got Obi Wan just hovering around asking her dumb questions. I, uh, I I like her as a character, but again, not from this film. We'll talk about we'll talk about this film versus how things are redeemed in it later. But uh, I think it's a prime example of like something that doesn't work in this film. I think that they make work later. I don't think that's great. Um, let's talk about though a new planet we get, which I actually, I, I love, love it. And I think you do too. Uh, if you just give me like a dark, like darkness and rain and action or just darkness and rain. I'm like, this is booty. I like this. Like, this- I, well, also too, I will say the prequel films, I, like in terms of new planets they introduce, I would say like A plus. Right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I, in terms of design, like, I, like great. Yeah, yeah, all great. I'm into it. Um, Camino, uh, this is like the part of the movie, even though the action scene was really great. Like 13 year old me was like fucking stoked about Camino. Um, and this is also, so it's to- notable for two things. One, this is like Obi-Wan's getting closer to the answer, uh, sort of. Um, it introduces, it, it not only does it have us like officially meet Django and have Obi-Wan and Django meet and you get the Obi-Wan Django fight, uh, which is cool. You get the Master Sifo-Dyas mystery. And as a 13 year old kid, I was, this is, the, this is the part of the movie that I was coming away talking about the most. Who was he? Was he actually real? And again, this is 2002 where I no other canon was established at that point. But like, who was Master Sifo-Dyas? Was that a name? I think my theory at the time was like, that was a name, either a name like a put in, like a fake name from a like from Sidious, calling himself Master Sifo-Dyas. Which is hilarious because it's like someone ordering a pizza under a yeah. fake name. Or, well, 13-year-old me thought that was brilliant. So, uh <laughs> Or it was like, you know, a Jedi that was corrupted. I, I, had, all, I had these theories. Um, it, I don't know. You may know the canon better than I do. Yeah. So this does get answered. This definitively gets answered. He was an actual person and he yes. was a Jedi and a good yes. Jedi. Yes. So if I remember correctly and if I'm wrong, f- feel free to yell at me about Stone it. Stone you to death? It, it, yeah. Feel free, Internet. But um, if I remember correctly, because I did see it, it gets explained in like a story arc in the Clone Wars. If I think, 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 think uh, that he had like a vision that the Clone War would happen and like knew that they would need an army, but knew no one would like believe him or something. So okay. that's why he does it. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Which is lame. Right. Which is lame. Like it's stupid. It's I a like stupid my, yeah. my idea better. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anything, any other notes on Camino? I don't have any. I, I will say I, this is where the movie like picks up for me where like I'm like yeah. in it. Um, I also think, yeah, I think the production design of Camino is amazing. I love the um, the contrast between the bright white, uh, very clean interiors and the just rain-drenched soaked outdoors. I think the fight with Django Fett is phenomenal. 
Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say all of Camino works. Um, even Sifidius, like in terms of yeah. like in terms of part of this trilogy, Sifidius goes nowhere. In terms of just this movie, when you're watching, I think it does like prickle the hairs on the back of your, you know, if you don't know. Um, it's like this mysterious, cool, hanging question that I think that just this movie by itself, judging it on its own merits, I think is cool. Something else that I think works well. I didn't think about this till just now. Um, and this knowing George Lucas this probably wasn't intentional at all, but when, in the scene with Dexter Jetster, he, Obi-Wan asks about the Camino wins and he is Camino, whatever. And, and that, that is official because I, that I believe you, yeah, I, I wasn't going to question you. Um, Obi-Wan's like, what are they like? And Dexter Jetster, like, he like, just, like zooms up on his face. Like, well, that depends on what Dex it's terrible line delivery. He's like on how big, uh, you're like, uh, how big your pocketbook is like. Um, you know, so like, that's he yeah gives, that's he gives this idea that this like impression to me at least i'm, I'm talking 13 year old me too especially that when he gets or gets to camino he might be in for it and then the camino wins are super nice it was really disarming and it was it actually made me more nervous and tense i was like what the fuck is he gonna find on this planet well yeah the other thing too that is kind of i'm i'm of, I'm of two minds about like Star Wars is obviously space opera, right? It's not a documentary. It's not meant to be taken super seriously. It's not? Yeah, it's not. But there are things like in this universe of all these crazy technologies, like ships don't have keys and the only doors that lock are in prison cells. Like that seems very odd to me. But those are both truths of the Star Wars universe, right? Spaceships don't have keys. Anyone can access them at any time. They're apparently not locked. And the only doors that have keys are prisons. Like, mm-hmm. those are just truths of the Star Wars universe. So with this, I'm like, wait a minute. So Master Sifo Diaz essentially calls up the Kaminoans. Is like, hey, we need a giant fucking galaxy-expanding <laughs> army of super clones. Can I ring that up? And the Kaminoans are like, sounds great. Yeah, I guess he pays them all up front or sets up payments somehow because at no point do they contact the Jedi Order to be like, hey, guys, you know, like got that clone army for you. Yeah, it's very that like even as a kid, I was like, this is really weird. Like, do they are they getting their payments on time? Are they (laughs) who are they in contact with? Like, what are the logistics of this like purchasing arrangement? Yeah, Um, didn't didn't get it. Didn't get it. Still don't get it. Yeah. I also, I also, I do think we should throw out some more love to the uh, Obi-Wan Jango fight scene, because I think it definitely, um, I think what I appreciate about it, even as a little kid, I was like, Oh, this guy can fight a Jedi. Like, like I think if Obi-Wan, like, you know, if circumstances were different and they weren't fighting in the rain and things like, I think Obi-Wan would be able to take him, but no, like, you know, in these circumstances, like, Oh, Obi-Wan's having a hard time and he's like a really great Jedi. So I think that was, that was interesting to see. Well, interesting in contrast to the way Django goes out because he seems (laughs) like a completely incapable idiot. Yeah. Like, and and I don't know what the takeaway is. It's it's mixed and it's just inconsistent and sloppy. Like if our takeaway is supposed to be, man mace windu is good then i'm immediately also thinking man obi-wan sucks if he couldn't beat Django and mace windu made it look like snapping a head off a barbie like i don't know what the yeah. takeaway is supposed to be and I, I i don't think george lucas thought twice about it i think he was just like this is a cool way to kill him um yeah, yeah. so sloppy 
I um, wouldn't see. And that's the kind of thing where like, I wish I could be there on set because like, I'm sure the actor who played Django Fett was probably like, Hey George, like, does it make sense that my character like goes out this way? Or at least I hope he said that. And I would just love to hear George Lucas's because I think you're exactly right. I think he'd be like, no, but don't you see? It'll be so cool. He gets his head cut off by a Jedi and then his son picks up his head. Yeah. And like, I think that's where his like, George Lucas's brain is at. Not like, does this ending make sense for the character? And like, would they make these choices? Yeah. Maybe you wanted him to go out like a little uh, pansy like uh, Boba Fett did. Well, Th- not that's anymore. true. Like father, like son. Yeah. Um, let's talk about... Uh, the, so the source of most of the bad dialogue in this movie, but also I find this, I find the Anakin and Padme courtship to be the best part of the movie. Well, and I, it is, and I mean it is, that in the, and it is some of the worst parts of the movie, but it it's is so entertaining. As it's, well. it's extremely watchable, but here's the thing that I also was thinking about. So they, they kind of allude. So I've seen the Clone Wars television show. I've seen the whole thing. I've mm-hmm. seen Rebels. I've read. I've, I've only seen, seen the, novels. what's his name? Uh, Genity Tartatovsky. Ah, uh, yes. I've, I've seen, so I've I, seen that. I really one liked that. Which is, I think, technically called like the Clone Wars. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I've seen that as well. Um, so I, I've seen like a lot of this stuff so I can kind of um, uh, like speak to some stuff that gets explained later. But some something that gets brought up in the Clone Wars show frequently is like, oh, like the Jedi are stretched so thin, right? Like we're both, you know, generals in the Clone Wars, but also we have Jedi duties, right? You know, the Jedi had jobs before the Clone Wars happened, right? We were peacekeepers. They're kind of like the sheriffs of the Wild West, whatever. But what baffles me about this movie is they're like, oh, we have to split up, right? Like Obi-Wan's going to investigate here. And they're like, Anakin, you protect Padme because someone wants to assassinate her. Mm -hmm. They kind of hand wave why it has to be this way. But at this time, this is before the Clone Wars, right? Like there should be just like tons of Jedi on deck just who at the drop of a hat should have less pressing assignments. There should be like a team of Jedi protecting Padme. There should be like a squad of Jedi investigating this mystery, right? Yeah. Also too, just the logistics of it be like, "Mm, Anakin, we know that you probably shouldn't be around Padme because you're inexperienced, you're horny. We know you like her. Like, why not send Anakin, like, to go investigate this mystery? Like, it can be his Jedi trial. Like, he, like, also, if he fucks it up, that's okay. Like, you could probably go and, like, swap out with him. It just seems weird that Obi-Wan would put him in the situation knowing what a temptation this is for him. I was just going to say, it, it's so stupid. Yeah, like it, it, it's incredibly it's, stupid. Like, he, Obi-Wan should clearly realize that Anakin is being obvious about how much he likes Padme. And, it, and, and not only is Hayden Christensen exaggerating it and overacting and making it obvious, like the character of Anakin was probably written to make it obvious too anyway. And so Obi-Wan would immediately sense this and say, absolutely not. Anakin is not going to be around her at all. It's like, I'm trying to think of like a religious analogy to it because obviously they're there. The whole Jedi order taking like a vow of chastity is directly, you know, analogous to that. Um, you know, it, it, it just... It's just so stupid for Obi Wan to, to put to to put Anakin in this position. Um, we gonna make a point. I, I was well. Also, like it's kind of shitty for him to put Padme in this position. I was, honestly, I was, ju- I was just like, going to say that. And so it, it, to that point too is just Padme. The the transition from Padme rejecting Anakin to suddenly being in love with him is so 
terrible. There's no reason for it. That's there's the none. Other thing. There's no like. There's no reason. And let's talk about this because all Anakin does is give her red flag after red flag. <laughs> yes. Padme's packing to go to Naboo. Anakin is just t- is sitting in there talking about himself, throwing a fucking baby ass tantrum, not asking about her, how her day was, how it is being a senator, whatever. Like she talks about herself, and then he just talks, changes the conversation back to him. Throughout that scene and all of it, he just comes on super strong. She even tells him how he's making her uncomfortable. And she is made out, I mean, despite the, the kind of poor character development of the prequel trilogy as a whole, like she's made out to, she's a, she's a senator at a very young age. She's capable and intelligent. And she's, be, she's better than this, this clown. Well, I mean, but also that kind of makes sense because she met him when he was like eight. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she knew him when he was a little kid and she was already kind of an adult. So like, of course you wouldn't take him seriously. Yeah. And not only did she not take him seriously, she just emasculates him in front of <laughs> everyone. Uh, Obi-Wan doing it. Uh, she does it. I, I, it's such a funny line to me when, um, I forgot the guys. I cannot believe Sio Bibble. So good old Sio Bibble is just like, what do you think, Master Jedi? Uh, one of the you know guys on the boob, and 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 Padme goes like, oh, oh, Anakin's not a Jedi. He's just a Padawan. Oh, God. Like I cringe every time, uh, just on behalf of Anakin. Uh, I think that's actually a great line. He's not uh, allowed to cross the street by himself. He still <laughs> needs to hold mommy's hand. Yeah, he can't dress himself. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Ugh. Oh gosh. Well, the other thing too that like so here's here's what I think they could have done. And this is a thing that happens in real life, right? You there are two people who you and maybe you've experienced this. There's someone you just like meet eyes with and you're just like fuck yes. And like the other person meets eyes with you and it's just like it is on. And like you have this weird intense connection and you be fucking and you be like <laughs> You'd be all up in each other, like real strong. But then after like a week or like a day or whatever the case may be, it's like, oh, we're not really great for each other. Like we just have this weird, like intense, like animalistic connection, which is awesome. And which is like a part of being human from, you know, your hunter gatherer days where it's like, oh, like, you know, fuck people and leave. Cause that's how primitive human brains work. But you know, like this is not, there's no staying power here to that relationship, but that's a real thing that happens to people all the time. Right. Um, I don't understand why they didn't just do that. Just yeah. have like no dialogue at all. Just have like Anakin and Padme just be making weird looks at each other. I agree. And eventually they just start making out and going for it. Yeah. Like have then, her be busy doing like Naboo related stuff and him just kind of watching her from across the room. Like yeah. I, Aiden Christensen is a bad actor, but I think he might, maybe might've been able to pull off some just semblance st- staring, of just staring wistfully at someone wistfully well and here's the thing staring all like creepily which is what here's, he usually does here's how i think you could have make it you could have made it work you could have made it work by having their di- like everything on Naboo be very minimal very yeah. minimal dialogue a lot of looks a lot of glances until finally they kiss they consummate their relationship in whatever way they do then when they get to geonosis when they have to like actually work together and communicate then show their then yes. show like oh they don't really work well yep i know it's cheesy but like you have one of those things where like padme's in one room and anakin's in the next room and like you just show like her laying in bed like awake show him lying in bed like 
you know, like the classic thing where like he like walks outside, like and goes by a room and then goes back to bed. And then she walks outside and looks yes. down the hallway that he but was just in that kind of as, bullshit. Okay. As yeah. But see, here's the thing as cliche and stupid, as it that would be, work. That's less embarrassing than what happens. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, I'm advocating for it. hundred percent. Speaking of embarrassing, let's get, let's, let's get to it. Uh, yeah. Let's get to it. The, the line, uh, oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. you know, the classic line, yeah, uh, I hate yeah. sand. Uh, it's, it's, it's coarse. coarse. And it gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. It gets which, all up in my butthole. You know, it's, uh, and my you, taint. You, you know, you adequately <laughs> describe sand. That's yeah. true. I don't know why <laughs> that needed to be in this movie, but you did correctly describe sand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just every time, you know, you just think just like, man, like when I think about it, it gets everywhere. I, I just immediately think like how it sticks to my, my balls. <laughs> like it's just, he's like he's just telling her something really like unnecessarily intimate well also too (laughs) i i like not really intimate but i think the point that he's making is it's supposed to be a reference to tatooine yes i think it is but but it's not it's but you you could like you could say something like sand as a boy there was so much of it i thought i'd drown yes exactly something like something like give me something more than like literally the dictionary definition of what is sand it's such a bad line that even though it's very obvious if you think about it for more than a second like i immediately just don't even remember that it could have anything to do with Tatooine. I just think it's just a stupid line because it is a stupid line, uh, but just in isolation. Yeah. God. Um, all right. Well, we only have a couple bullet points between now and really like the whole Geonosis finale. Um, I just made a note. You got Watto again, another culturally insensitive, uh, figure, not as yeah. much of him as the, as the previous one. Yeah. Um, right. This is actually my favorite line of the movie, and that's when Jar Jar addresses the Senate and calls, says "Delo Felagets." Uh, yeah, yeah. God, I, I mean, this is this is a Jar Jar's used minimally in this movie. I, for the better, it's good. Uh, this line is not one of his lines where I'm like, "Just come on, Jar Jar," or like, "Come on, George, why'd you do this?" Yeah. To me, this is like a, a this is a good comedic relief moment, even though in, in a serious scene. Uh, I know I'm giving this line like so much more talk than it probably deserves, but I just, I love this line so much. It makes me uh, chuckle every single time I read it or hear it. Yeah. It's, it also, it's the more you think about it, the more it, funny it becomes because like when, when they meet Jar Jar, he's kind of like a backwoods hooligan, right? Like he's, yep. an, he's the outcast of his, whatever. This is nine years later. He's had nine years to learn English. to learn the like to learn the inner workings of like how society and he's given an important job and he's still like he's like the he's like the like the mascot like oh you're trying your best pal like but why do they keep him around also it could be argued that he dooms the entire galactic republic <laughs> yeah it, it could be argued <laughs> yeah um we could probably move through like the genos yeah. and stuff somewhat yeah. quickly um the note, the really thing, thing I wanted to talk about in terms of 
Geonosis is like so we got Obi-Wan arrives there and then we got Padme and well can we before we like, but, we jump we jump to that yeah can, yeah can we talk about some positives because I do think the uh the chase through the, the asteroids um, the asteroid field is actually a, pr- a pretty great sci-fi like chase scene with some cool stuff going on agreed the sonic um, charges yeah I also love 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 the um little technology thing of like the rings that smaller yes. starcraft I, I like that too that's such a tiny little detail but like that's so cool and it makes it feel like a real place uh in a way that like again like i think like the the production design and like these planets like a plus 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 like that's where i think these movies are really firing on all cylinders yeah yeah that's where george lucas shines well or his production or his production team but anyway so uh on the planet on the ground obi-wan gets captured um there is a scene i've seen this movie so many times it still confuses me He's I, like okay, hovering I, and, and shackled somehow. And Dooku gives like a little bit of a speech to him, including a little bit of like, he's like, oh no, there must've been some mistake. Uh. But then like, like maybe I, I'll let you out immediately. It's, 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 like, it's, it's like an attempt at humor or what? I don't even know what it is. Everything, a single thing about this conversation is, is confusing to me. So I, I, I have thought about it a lot. I think a couple of things are happening here. So number one, I think, again, it's a throwback to, like, old serials where, like, the mustachio-twirling villain has the hero locked up, yeah. you know? I think it's definitely a reference to that, on, like, on one level. I think on the on another level, and I don't think this is great logic, but I think this may be the logic they're going for. So at this point in the film, on paper, we don't know that Count Dooku is evil. Of course he is, right? He's yeah. wearing all black. Like, of course he's evil. But we don't necessarily know that. I also think that... Again, I don't think this logic is great, but I think George Lucas or someone arguing on his behalf would say that uh, Obi-Wan can sense deception. Um, So he is baiting Obi-Wan with kernels of truth. So like he does have respect for Obi-Wan. Yeah, there is a Sith Sith Lord in the Senate. And I think he's saying these things to get Obi-Wan on his side because Obi-Wan will be like, oh, well, I sense he's telling the truth. I don't... Now, I, I don't, I, think un- that's, I still don't I think understand that's why he would reveal to him that there's right. a Sith Lord. That's I, I still, such a big I, reveal. I still think that's really stupid. You can accomplish stupid. that goal that you just said without that reveal. I agree. Kernels I also, truth. I also, it's like the kernels of truth thing. Again, on, like on paper, that's kind of cool. Like a way to trick a Jedi would be to tell him some things that are true and some things that are lies yeah. so that he's not like quite sure which is which. Um, but yeah, it gives away way too much. Also to like... This runs into the problem of like, okay, he can sense something. Some things are true. Some things are lies. Again, why didn't you pick up anything that Palpatine says? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, I can understand the logic of it sort of, but then it falls apart when you try and think about it outside of the situation. Yeah. Completely yeah. falls apart. Yeah. Um. So Anakin and Padme land separately Um. going after Obi-Wan. Um. The factory sequence and the subsequent monster battle. Here's my my notes on it, uh, my thoughts, and then um, please share yours. Yes. Um, I think it's an exciting sequence. The the C-3PO and um, R2's presence there is a nuisance. Uh, Don't know. I mean, it just obviously they're put there for kind of for comedic relief and stuff, but. and the monster battle is, you know, it is what it is. 
my takeaway from this, and it still is, is what it reminds me of, is that Padme's outfit, that white outfit, especially after the monster rips it uh, and you see uh, her abs. Okay. Part of part of my sexual awakening. I had multiple uh, sexual awakenings and this is this is another phase. This is this is when I uh, was was nearing entering my final form. Oh, um, oh, you, you haven't gotten there or you, I see you've already awakened. You're, you're, there's nowhere left for you to go. No, no. It's all, it's all downhill from yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this. Wow. That's, I, that's my note. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. That's interesting because uh, then you're probably more charitable to the sequence than I am. Uh, Padway did not awaken me sexually or in any way, really. <laughs> um, so what I remember for this sequence is watching the behind the scenes feature, which again, I yes. did religiously in all movies. And I remember watching it and they're like, yeah, we, we just kind of had them run around on like these green screen conveyor belts. And we're like, we'll throw something on there. Like at some point, and, like, and- we'll f- yeah. So I'm go sorry. on. Go on. No, just that that's the other thing I, I I didn't write this down in our outline, but I meant to mention it. What are they making? There is a there is a part well, where yeah. there is there's one yeah. production line that's making droids and there's another one that is With like just, weird what, like chopping metal things. It's, all it, what it's making is whatever is convenient to make at the time that the characters are at that part. Yeah, um, like weirdly like line. weirdly like arm and hand shaped things it's so like, that they can the fit hell? perfectly in them. Um I I don't understand either. Um what, what okay, so what this indicates to me both just watching it and knowing the behind the scenes of like they clearly were like I don't know, like this movie's got to be 90 minutes, we'll fill we'll fill the time somehow. Um it it just goes to again like prequel problems. Like Oh yeah. In terms of like prequels, like ah, we just got to check these boxes, right? So in this movie, all we got to check is like we got to check Anakin doing some evil stuff so that we can set up Darth Vader. We got to check him falling in love with Padme, and we got to check that he and Obi Wan are buddies, and we got to check that the Clone Wars happen, right? Yeah. That's it. Everything well, else, yeah. everything else is kind of like ah, eh, take it or leave it. So it's like this, especially this middle movie where like, it doesn't have a lot to accomplish. There's just so much time that kind of feels dead or wasted or dragged. And this is one of, this is like the example of that. It is. Also, um, while I'm thinking about it, do we want to, we kind of, we kind of passed over Anakin turning evil a little bit. Do you want to talk about that? Oh yeah. I, you know, I mean, he, he goes to the, Tatooine and he finds the Tusken Raiders that uh, kidnapped his mom who is then married to Klee uh, Lars who bought her as a slave and then married her and freed her um, and he goes to the Tusken Raiders and he murders all of them uh, and not just the men uh, Aaron uh, yeah, I, uh, but the I've, women I've heard yeah the, the uh, and the children, children too yeah I've, I've heard that um, another red flag that yeah. uh, Padme's like we all make mistakes <laughs> Yeah, she really just so a couple things here. One, I I kind of like I kind of like on paper there's so much on paper about about these movies that works. Like on paper I like the idea that like the Sand Raiders kidnapped his mom, he goes to rescue her, she's dead, he just out and kills everyone. Yep. On paper, great. Actually, I even think the delivery of it like it, I mean it is because it's good. It, it, because it's largely wordless. Right. Right, right, right. I think him just spilling the beans to Padway, 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 and like in this sappy, like way, awful, completely yeah. awful, terrible. 
And um, he, th- he throws that tantrum. You know, it's in the same room that we had that legendary Luke and Obi-Wan yeah, conversation. Yeah. And what we get in the prequel trilogy is Anakin uh, throwing another fucking tantrum. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I like that idea on paper. I think it's done very mm-hmm. poorly. I also, again, if you're Padme, like, I think at this point they're in love, quote unquote, oh, on paper. You'd never know. <laughs> you would never know. Um, but I think, yeah, I think like, again, like giant fucking red flag, Padme. Like, yeah, not okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, let's jump back to your sexual awakening. Well, no, I, I, I've said all I need to say. I think it speaks for itself. Um, I will, I will say though, um, I do kind of like, again, it's like, I kind of like on paper when they play into kind of the pulpy origins of star Wars. So like mm-hmm. this whole stadium scene is definitely like a John Carter, Carter of Mars sequence. Yeah. So did you ever see the film, John Carter? Uh, it was on TV. I was half paying attention to it. Yeah. So I saw the film. I actually read uh, like the first three John Carter of Mars uh, books. Um, uh, they're all free. They're all public domain. Um, I would actually recommend reading the first couple of John Carter of Mars uh, books. They're really good. They're okay. like very, very good pulpy sci-fi with like a lot of fun ideas in them. And like a big uh, Coliseum scene with like half naked women tied up and like evil space monsters about to eat them and like a hostile audience cheering. That's all like, like John Carter is fuck. Like that's, that is <laughs> all very John Carter. Um, and so I like, like, I love that, like that they're using that as inspiration. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I'm going to go out as, as far as to say, like, I think this is where that pulp inspiration actually works pretty much beginning to end. Like, yeah. I think this scene is tense. I think you get some, good. some, some half naked Padme for the horny, horny, not even half. Audience. It's like 25% naked. And it's I think all, the, like the actual, I think the actual like battle is pretty fun. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. Well, so, I mean, the monster fight, you know, it's just kind of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme each getting the rebe- the best of a respective monster, which I think they're all, it, it, it works well. Like, it, it's, it's you know, the scene plays out nicely. Um, meanwhile, you know, the Separatists, uh, the Separatist leaders and the Geonosians and Count Dooku are watching. Um, you know, New Gunray is just complaining as he does. <laughs> uh you know, I got to have what him is happening. That's what the fans wanted. Uh, the Star Wars fans needed more of him. Um, then something really interesting happens in this. And I, I, I talked about how Camino is really like one of my highlights of the movie. And despite how impactful the next couple sequences are, Camino was still kind of like my cool, like visual favorite takeaway. But Mace Windu, you see like the, the Mace Windu's like footsteps or like his feet like approaching behind dooku and then he, he he surprises them by putting a lightsaber to jago fett's neck and kind of you know in that badass samuel l jackson way like you know like party's over or whatever like bad line who cares it is i still think it's awesome oh, like yeah. it's so badass and then all the jedi show up and and then as a 13 year old kid and I think I think even a lot of people, even the haters of the prequel trilogy, could probably say that when they first saw this scene, they were like, "Whoa, we are there are a lot of Jedi. I have never seen so many Jedi fight at once." And it also serves to kind of make you further appreciate the gravity of the Jedi of, of Order sixty six. Like, I, how many Jedi get killed? 
Um, that sequence also in episode three, I think is done really well. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it, 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 this was a really impactful. And then on, on, I capped all that off with Yoda fighting. Like that's the other checkbox to add so, to that list. Okay. You, do, do you not like that Yoda fights? I, I hate it. So I hate it. I, I, I really want to know why. And I, I was going to ask you regardless. Uh, I, was not as blown away. It was it was shocking, but I in terms of like how badass I was hoping it would be, I don't know if that 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 feeling kind of quickly subsided. Um, so I, yeah, l- l- let me hear your thoughts on that because I I, I think I could be not that I lo- I don't love it, but I could be talked into hating it. Okay, a couple things. So uh, the Jedi showing up in the stadium. As a kid, absolutely blew my mind. Still blows my mind. Um, however, it's like the follow through of that is so poorly done. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you get these wide shots, right? Where you see Jedi that are just these bumbling idiots who just get like shot with one laser and are just down. Yeah. Which you don't notice that in a big battle scene. You're paying attention to like Anakin and Padme and Mace right. Windu. And, but like when you've seen it 20 times, like I have, you notice the background characters. Yep. And what it reminds me of is um, in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, when there's that <laughs> army of quote unquote mutants. Yeah. But they're just a bunch of like, like marauding, marauding. Come out of yeah, their faces. They're just like marauding ghouls who like run on all fours. Like yeah. a true army of mutants would be like, really cool and really yes. interesting but this is just like a bunch of extras who are running around on all fours and that's kind of what i felt with the with after they kind of all show up with the big battle scenes it's like they're kind of extras like they're extra jedi they're the um, red shirt jedi they are uh, the red they're yeah they're the red shirt jedis which i'm like that's shitty i don't want to see red and shirt same jedis. same with some of the some of the uh jedi that go to take out uh palpatine that get dispatched immediately in episode three i think kit fisto might have been one of them so like, here's well here's the difference i think it would have been amazing if you show the jedi as just these unstoppable amazing warriors completely in this, agree in this movie completely dominant they just sweep everything and then I think if you did do something in episode three, if you left the the five Jedi arresting Dooku, or not Dooku, I'm sorry, Palpatine, and him just immediately like poning them, I think that would make that scene even more effective. Like, I don't think it's great as it is, but I think it would make it effective by contrast, right? Yep. Um, and show what a threat he is. Here, yeah, cool. I just don't like that they kind of, you know, randomly get shot here and there. The Yoda fighting. Let's yeah, talk- what's, what's your two cents on that? So my two cents on the Yoda fighting is two things. One, um, the CGI is just not there. It's terrible. It's just and also the CGI with Dooku is bad because Christopher Lee couldn't do like any of the movement, so they had to CGI Christopher Lee's face onto the body double. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's not there. One, two. Um, I think there is a large percentage of people that think the idea of Yoda fighting is cool. And I agree with them. I think that idea is cool. Yes. However, I think there is a difference between things that are cool and things that are true to the character and true to the story and the themes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, I think it would be cool 
Um, if Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, just from top to bottom, is just ripping spells left and right and just blowing people up in giant orbs of wisdom. That is a great analogy. Right. I would, I, I think yeah. that would be cool. He is more <laughs> badass as a, as a reserved wise wizard that shows his power only occasionally. Right. The other, and the other thing too is like, let's think about real people, right? Let's think about, say, Confucius. Okay. Now we think about Confucius and we think about his wisdom and his control. And we think about Confucius as like an old man generally, right? Yeah. I don't really care about the exploits of young hipster Confucius. Young hipster Confucius to me is a really dumb idea and I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I want old wise Confucius. And so Yoda flipping around and fighting has big hipster Confucius energy to me. <laughs> like, I don't. I, 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 I get that. And I actually, my, my feelings about it are complicated by the fact that my feelings about this scene in particular are different than my feelings about the scene in episode three where he fights Palpatine. I still love when he fights Palpatine. I lo- Yes. And I also, I love when he fights Palpatine. That and- might have been the better to be the first time you see Yoda fight. I think that would have worked better as the first time you see Yoda fight because if we're going to see Yoda fight at all, I want to see him fighting like essentially the ultimate embodiment of evil in this universe, right? That's like what it takes to get Yoda to fight. And this fight ends too quickly and Dooku just like, cheats his way out like it's it's kind of yes. lame like this is this, this landing and, fight sequence both with anakin and obi-wan and yoda is kind of underwhelming and i'm glad you said that because that kind of crystallizes exactly the problem that i have it doesn't feel worthy of yoda if yoda is gonna truly Absolutely agree truly, that's really like pull out the stops and truly fight because we get the impression like he he you know he does the whole thing of dropping the cane like he's too old for this shit like you're pulling me out of retirement like that's the energy before he like he he fights and it's like i don't want like i don't want shitty dooku like a really short fight that he cheats to get his way out of like i don't want that being the thing that gets yoda pulled out of retirement like i want the emperor getting yoda pulled like that's pulling yoda out of retirement yeah i i i'm completely in agreement with you um, like if you compare the end of this, these two like fight scenes to the Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan versus Maul fight, like it's just not even close. No, no, not no, even no, close. No. Um, yeah. And then what do we think about the Anakin, uh, Dooku fight? Yeah. Still d- underwhelming. And too, I, well, too okay. I, I agree. I, but I will it's say if, if you're going to count like Anakin, Obi-Wan, then Anakin, then Yoda, I'll take the Anakin fight over the other two. Well, the I mean, the only thing I'll say about the Anakin-Dooku fight that even as a kid and even today that I appreciate is they do, like, compared to any other lightsaber battle in the, the series, they get a little more experimental with certain shots. Yes. Like, there are certain shots that are just, like, literally the color of the lightsabers, like, flashing over their face in darkness. Just, like, stuff like, like, that's, that's cool. That's like, we don't, we don't get anything like that out of any of the other, like, lightsaber fights in this franchise, really. Yeah. Um, so I'll give it points for that. Still didn't love it. Also in terms of like, like Anakin losing a limb or like Anakin, like the first hint of his mechanization. Um, stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid. Yeah. I wish it could have been more, more thematic, I guess. And what I mean by that is like, 
Anakin becomes Darth Vader because of his confrontation with Obi-Wan, because of his rejection of the Jedi way, because of like all these things, right? And I guess they're tying it into like, he's too much of a hothead, right? So he ran in and that's why he got his <laughs> arm cut off. Yeah, That just feels so weak. Yeah, it is. In terms of like how they could have turned that moment into a more character rich moment. I agree. Um, do we, I know it's not on the notes. We, do we want to talk about his wedding? Nah, I mean, do you have any notes on it? I really have nothing to say about it. Um, yeah, I, I just, instead of a wedding scene, I would have appreciated like here, even as a kid, I was thinking like, Oh, maybe like almost dying and almost losing each other is what kind of brought them close enough together to where they're like really in this relationship to the end. Mm -hmm. And instead of a wedding scene, I would have, this is actually one of the rare circumstances where like, I would have liked more dialogue. I would have liked dialogue here instead of just a silent wedding. I would have liked dialogue where it's like, we almost lost, lost each other. Like I never want to lose you ever again. Yeah. And like that, because then I think that could have solidified like what makes their relationship not work, but like it would have made their relationship make a little more sense, especially like going forward. Like, oh, even though they're not really great for each other because they had this near death intense experience right after the high of like their weird animal connection, like it almost like sets up like all of the wrong dominoes fell down for mm-hmm. them to fall in love and stay in love. Um, and I think like, I think a dialogue scene would have worked here in a way that like, ironically, a silent wedding didn't work when we yeah. wanted them to be silent this whole time. Yeah. 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 Um, should we move to the segments? Um, yeah. Are we, do you want to make this point about our theories? Um, well, so I, I had made a note to myself in our outline that like, I, I, I was, I remember like there were in general that I was making theories with like my, my aunt about like, what's going to happen in episode three. Um, and I, and I tried to go back and remember what my specific theories were. And I ultimately could not confidently tell you what any of them were. And so I, but if you have any, I would love to hear them. So I, I remember, this is what I was caught up on um, in the gap between episode two and three. I was caught up on the line from Return of the Jedi where Leia talks about remembering her mother and remembering that she was sad. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to get a time jump where like Luke and Leia are like three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, Anakin's already broken bad and he's hunting them down. And episode three is going to be like, we're going to jump to Anakin's bad. Obi-Wan's hunting him down. He's trying to hunt down Padme. And then through like character interactions, we're going to learn how that happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't thrilled about it. Cause I was like, well, I want to see him become like Darth Vader, which like, you could still get in that setup. But I didn't realize that, that George Lucas would just kind of retcon that entire Leia line. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. Did it? Unfortunate. All right. All right. We can um, get to our segments, I suppose. So we'll see how these go. <laughs> uh, if this was a video game, well, it already was a it bunch was. of them. Yeah. Uh, so I, all, here's what I said. I tried to do something completely different. Give me a dating sim or a political mm. or a political sim. I want to, okay. I want to, I want to know the inner politics of, of, um, you know what? Give me both. 
give me i'm this like this like up and coming like go-getter senator you know uh i want to i need i'm learning my way around like how to how to navigate the the corruption the ins and outs of 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 the senate sure and i'm also you know a hot single young thing um (laughs) and and i gotta get out there and go on dates i gotta avoid you know guys who are into death sticks you know give me so give me that political dating sim I love that. Um, I think that would oddly work better than most. I want to be the AOC of the, of Coruscant. Yeah. Would you say that she is without a boyfriend? Yeah. But without a, yeah. Does AOC have a boyfriend? She does. As far as I know. Edgar's going to be devastated. AOC is like his, his straight crush. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, so here's what I was thinking. I was thinking something in the vein of um, like a devil may cry uh, five, four or five specifically. Um, where you do dual narratives, right? And then you're going to have to come up with reasons for Anakin to be like fighting things. Like we could maybe come up with a random video game subplot about like, you know, finding, you know, collab- assassin yeah. collaborators on Naboo, whatever. But I think it'd be interesting if like uh, Obi-Wan, his levels were more like the Dante levels where like Obi-Wan has access to like all these like skills and abilities. Yeah. And um, Anakin was kind of like the Nero. Um, and then we get to Geonosis where you can kind of pick between them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be fun. What do you that would be that? fun. I like as that. like a, as like a character action game, something more in the vein of um, of like I said, Devil May Cry. Um, did you ever wind up playing? Did we talk about this Jedi Fallen Order? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, in terms of like games, not well. This is I'm, I'm thinking this like similar to like Devil May Cry, not Star Wars, but like Dante's Inferno. I'd rather play that game than Jedi Fallen Order. Um, interesting because Jedi Fallen Order is basically a Star Wars Souls like with a pretty decent story, and that's a, what I've heard. And I and just a feel, Metroidvania setup. I just feel like I'm not gonna like it. I, I don't know. You, I think you'll be obsessed with it. Really? It's it was I it was great. Uh, However, it was one of those things where I played it one time, and there's I'm never going back. Interesting. Um, I think it's worth like maybe a, a red box or a GameFly. Maybe I don't do those things. I just buy games and then regret it. Um, would you live in this world? Uh, the Star Wars universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, there's would. too many ways to that like, you could do it too. Like, do I want to be like a Jedi? I mean, at, when I was younger, yeah, duh. Uh, but like, you know, I, I would love a job like in the Star Wars universe where I could just kind of travel around. Relatively danger free, though. Well, well, yes and no, though. I mean, actually, it's actually incredibly dangerous because it is. It is. Um, again, like if you think about it and if you think about like the actual experience, like we see a lot of like, we see all of the exciting parts of this universe, right? This is like, like watching the star Wars movies is essentially like watching house of cards. You watching don't... the Mandalorian, you see some of the less exciting places, I suppose. But it, like in house of cards, right in that world, there's a pig farmer in Iowa, right? <laughs> <laughs> and which is also part of that world right so yeah. like i i would like to live in the star wars universe but i feel like the odds that you would be like the equivalent of a pig farmer are pretty high compared to being like a jedi true so but again the ships don't lock and the only doors that lock are prisons so you could basically go anywhere and if you had a protocol droid or not protocol droid that's c3po yeah. if you had an astromech you could basically hijack anything <laughs> so what would you do you'd be a pirate I think I would be a pirate space pirate. Yeah. It seems like there are very few consequences for piracy in this universe (laughs) and it would be very easy with an astromech. Those Jedi cops will be after you. Oh yeah. Um, Kingdom hearts corner. 
So this is, a, corner. this is a Disney yeah, property. Yeah, it so is it's now. very possible it could happen. Um, I was I was really thinking that one of the big reasons for a Kingdom Hearts three delay were adding a Marvel or Star Wars wor- or world because they got the rights to it. Turns out, no, Kingdom Hearts three was just delayed because yeah of reasons. Um, I picture like a really awkward like like Pirates of the Caribbean level with realistic humans and cartoon Sora. Um, though they do try to make Sora look a little more human in the Pirates of the Caribbean level. Um, I have like, you know, the levels on Geonosis, maybe you have a mini boss fight against Django and a boss fight against Dugu. I don't know. I mean, we were talking about this before in that, like, despite how like rich, creatively rich the Star Wars universe is, I feel like there's just nothing jumps out at me as something like ripe for Kingdom Hearts and Nomura would probably find the most boring aspect of this movie and create a level from it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was thinking of it, I, I you would have to do Geonosis because I was like, uh, you could do You could make it like a level called like, you know, a galaxy far, far away. But then it's you have to pick one planet, yeah. like one biome, basically. So, yeah, I would pick Geonosis. You could easily do a thing where Sora kind of shows up right when, you know, it meets Padme and Anakin when they're about to rescue Obi-Wan and kind of goes, they kind of give him the backstory and, yeah. you know, they're rescuing their friend, which I'm sure Sora would be thrilled about. Um, yeah. And then I figured like the, the keyhole could be, I don't know, like Anakin's robot hand. Yeah. And then the keyblade would be a lightsaber, obviously, obviously. A lightsaber inspired in key form key form yeah yeah it's almost like it's just so obvious it's it would just it's, it's so obvious as to be like boring and trite yeah i like hated my own ideas it's, uh i, yeah, I, I would call my keyblade something like the oath breaker there's an oath keeper in kingdom hearts oath breaker i guess makes sense because anakin's being a bad bad boy uh keychain is like a clone hel- clone helmet yeah i also thought clone helmet I, the name would be something with order like for the jedi order yeah um yeah, pretty uninspired. Fair Speaking enough. of uninspired, um, fan the, uh, fiction. Yeah, oddly uninspired. Very. Um, here's the thing. I I am sure. I mean, Star Wars fan fiction in and of itself is it's again it's like it's it's just such a big pool. It's almost boring. Like it's so it's so big. It's boring. It does what a lot of the worst fan fiction does, which is start out. Like the best of it starts off like promising. You, you read like the first chapter and you're like, this is really thoughtful. Like it may not be my bag totally, but it's, it's thoughtful. And you look, you're like, okay, they wrote 12 chapters. Oh, interesting. If they did, you know, 12 chapters, like chapter one, that would be, you know, then you start to go further and further. And even if you're just skimming and you slowly start to see them stop giving a shit. And then by chapter 12, they just give up. And that like you would you would say that's like 90% of fan fiction on the internet, right? Yeah. Right. That are like short stories that or like you know, paragraphs. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't find anything very uh even with our specific searches for Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, well, and also it's like, I mean, you know, if you've read one fan fiction where Anakin and Padme hook up, you've read them all. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm just like for properties as large as say like star Wars or Harry Potter, like what interests me in terms of fan fiction is stuff. That's really weird. 
Um, so I found something that's really weird. <laughs> um, it is called uh, it is called watching Attack of the Clones. <laughs> uh, that is what it is called. Um, the plot of this is that the 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 real people, I suppose, of Han, Leia, Luke, uh, Padme, Anakin, and Obi Wan, young Obi Wan specifically, have gathered to watch the film Attack of the Clones. So they're those in character, but they're also watching the movie and then commenting upon it. So the, the text of it is this dichotomy between literally the actual script in bold and then the like Mystery Science Theater 3000 commentary that the characters are giving based on what they're seeing. Hmm. So for example, okay. Find one. okay. Um, just found one that had Yoda. Hey, here we go. Okay. Uh, Palpatine, colon, Master Yoda, do you really think it will come to war? Yoda closes his eyes. Yoda, colon, dot, dot, dot. The dark side clouds everything. Impossible to see, the future is. Which is, the, which is a moment from the film, right? It's yeah. lifted from the script. Then in regular font, Master Yoda must have known something, Padme said, looking at the Jedi occupants in the room. Don't you think so? I think he had his suspicions, Obi-Wan admitted. <laughs> However, he wasn't wrong. The future is impossible to see. Not anymore, Anakin said, disagreeing. With these discs, by that he means the, the yeah. DVDs that the movies are on, we can. He glanced wistfully and semi-warily over to his son, sitting on the opposite sofa, Luke. The prospect of seeing and understanding his son so early was thrilling to him. He couldn't wait to know more. Luke seemed pretty amazing to Anakin, the only issue with seeing more of Luke meant that Obi-Wan would see more of his and Padme's relationship. <laughs> it, it's, it's very, it's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's like taking that scene in Spaceballs where they watch Spaceballs. Yes. The movie yes. And then just, but it's that creating it's that, something weirder from it. It's that, but taken deadly seriously and writing hundreds of, if not thousands of words on it. Yeah. Also this thing did the exact thing you described. Uh, it got two chapters in and gave up. <laughs> I love people. I know. Yeah. Um, what would your fan fiction be? <sighs> okay. This, and again, this is really hard because. And it's a world that does warrant it. I, and that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think again, like Harry Potter, this is just such a rich vein. I think this universe absolutely warrants fan fiction. Um, I, and again, like when you get into extended universe stuff, like at, at a certain point, like someone's done it. Yeah. Um, I, I love the investigate. Like I like, again, on paper, I like the idea of like part of a Jedi's job is like being a detective. Yeah. In the circumstances. That'd be cool. So I, yeah, I would love like a really cool, like Jedi star Wars, like murder on the Orient express style, like murder mystery. And again, I love that idea of like, if you're like a criminal in this world, maybe, you know, enough to be able to like resist Jedi mind tricks, but you also have to find other ways of like outsmarting Jedi. And I think the idea of just mixing up and telling like a blend of like absolute truth and just completely made up lies mm -hmm. as a way to like trick a Jedi. Yeah. That's, that's like a, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. I and I would agree. like to see a story that like takes advantage of that. And I, I would bet that nobody has done my suggestion, which is give me a day in the life of one of the other separatists. 
Yeah. Give me, give me, what's the, what's the life of the banking clan? Now you may know this because of the Clone I, Wars. I actually do know this because of the Clone Wars, because they actually do that. Because <laughs> I want to know. Okay. So maybe so, I just need to watch Clone Wars. So you do at a certain point. Um, there are definitely like story arcs where they I do. will. Yeah. Where they do stuff like this, where they're like, but what is it like for the separatists? Um, ultimately the answer is like, eh, mildly interesting, but not important. Um, they do eventually show the separatists in the Clone Wars is like, they're honest people too, with like their own political ideologies that they disagree with the Republic on, which is fine, but it's also like they let an evil count run them. So like <laughs> not the best choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would like that. I would like, or here's, okay. I just thought of this. This does not exist in the Clone Wars, but, um, I would love to see this. I would love to see the separatist answer to the Jedi order. Mm. Um, like, what does that look like? Like we need peacekeepers. We need people that aren't our generals, but that like kind of are like the wild west sheriffs of the se- you oh, know, separatist I, empire. I bet it takes the form of grievous like stuff. Well, right. In Canon, it does in Canon It does. But if well, I, no, if I were running more. right. But if Something I were running like a, that. yeah, but if I were running a fan fiction, I think it'd be cool to be like, well, we have a planet of like four sensitive people that, you know, don't join the Jedi order and maybe they could. Oh, be that'd be, yeah, that'd be neat. Right. Wouldn't that be neat? Yeah. Um, that's all I've got though. Well, that was attack of the clones. Yeah, it was. I think overall it's really kind of an interesting study and in, like the weakness of a prequel versus a sequel um, for me. Cause that's what I've been thinking about yeah. all week. Um, I think sequels can definitely make their own mistakes but I think sequels have the benefit of like just being able to break entirely new ground. Whereas prequels by their nature can't. So I kind of through these conversations, I was able to maybe put into words what I might not have been able to put into words before, which is that I, I think that the sequel aspect of star Wars hurts it. For me, like the, the, the sequel, the, the episodes seven through nine, they had so much freedom. And I think that we had more room to fail. Well, Building off of something that I already loved, whereas the prequels, despite the fact that you can set yourself up for some failure, you're still bound by, unless you're going to retcon shit, you're still bound by what was revealed and what exists in the middle trilogy. And so... I enjoy the, these prequel movies more than the sequels because of kind of bigger picture what's going on rather than like, the execution is kind of poor, but I think a lot of the ideas I'm okay with or I even like. Um, whereas I think that the, the, the newer trilogy did too much that I was just like, that's not my Star Wars. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Both the prequels and the sequels make massive errors. They're just very different errors. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I think that this movie is like, unfortunately a slave to the idea of like, well, we got to set all this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And certainly. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah. What have you, uh, what have you been up to? 
What have I been up to? Um, ah, I've been very busy. Work has been crazy. Um, uh, what have I been playing though? Uh, <laughs> Isle Isle of Dragon Roars or Isle of Cards, the the Dragon's Roar or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> the Yoko. <laughs> yeah, it finally came out, and I've been playing it because I pre-ordered it sight unseen. Yeah, uh, of course. Um, it's actually pretty good. Um, it's 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 um, it's actually perfect for like work has been very stressful. Uh, I've been, you know, coming home and just being kind of wiped out and having something like really low impact like that to play uh, before bed has been kind of nice. nice. Um, and then the Halloween season has been upon us. So Edgar and I have been watching some scary spooky things. Uh, I recently showed him Rosemary's Baby, uh, which he had never seen before, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I also watch Rosemary's Baby every single year on Halloween. I did last year uh, on your recommendation. I had never seen it. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite movies. I watch it every year on Halloween. It's incredible. I love it more and more every year. We'll do it eventually for the show, I'm sure. Sure. Um, also, too, Edgar, he was because he'd never seen it. He's like, whoa, this is like, this is kind of like got hereditary vibes. And I'm like, yes, like you couldn't have a hereditary without Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. So it's very foundational in that way. Um, also, we watched, which I'd never seen before Edgar had seen, um, The Taking of Deborah Logan. Have you seen that? No, I've heard the, I've heard of it though. Um, I will say it's it's big and bold. Okay, I'm gonna say that it is a big bold film. In a good way or a bad way? I'm gonna say it's a big bold film. Okay, that's what I'm gonna say. You're just gonna make me watch it, aren't you? I suppose to find out more. Um, what uh, what have you been up to? Um, I beat Near Automata. I don't remember if I beat it by the time we last talked. Um. I, I, I came around in that game. I didn't, it's not that I didn't like it to start. I just, I thought it was fine for the first like couple hours. I, I could see the appeal. I knew I would like it more. I, then eventually I thought it was very good. And, and now I think it's very great despite some flaws, um, poor side quests, um, some, a little bit of chaos in the story, but I, it's overall, I had an extremely positive experience with that game and would highly recommend it. Um, I've been playing Dusk. I know you have too. Ah, uh, um, yes, I forgot. Great game, 90s style, um, first person shooter, indie game. Just wonderful so far. Wonderful. Yeah, like Chef Fingers on pretty much every axis. The graphics, the music, like the gameplay, yeah. like just mwah. I um I watched and rewatched a bunch of horror movies last week as it was Halloween. Um I well, last week when we we're recording this, that is. Um I rewatched Audition. Um, great movie. I watched Tale of Two Sisters, which is a Korean film that had been on my list for a long time. Just it's every time you look up like best international horror films, um, you know, you'll it'll appear. I was not impressed by it though. Um, I don't know if that's because I've seen movies that have done similar things before. Like this movie kind of executes it better than some like American films that are doing sort of the same thing. But it's one of those movies that if you've seen enough horror movies, you might, you get wise to what's going on really quickly. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. Sometimes the movie could still be enjoyable, but this movie I think kind of fails a little bit when you have kind of figure out what's going on. Um, I rewatched the evil dead, the original 1981 one. It's a great one. Um, I saw last night in Soho which was, it was not as good as I wanted it to be. Um, I, and this isn't necessarily a big criticism. I, it was not a horror movie in the sense that I, 
I was hoping it would be a horror movie more, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I wouldn't rate it lower because it's not as much of a horror movie as I wanted. I just think that it was, I didn't get as invested in it as I would have hoped. Um, I would say, I mean, I think all Edgar Wright's movies are good. I would say it's probably at my bottom two Edgar Wright movies. Okay. Um, still good though. Like it's not, it's not a bad movie. Um, and then I rewatched, uh, going f- further back some like it hot which i think oh, it's just, i love okay. that movie i yeah excellent yeah. um i it, speaking of i edgar and i have recently finished the new season of american horror story i don't know oh yeah uh i've i've stopped after the circus one um gotcha. which i it just kind of got worse as it went along i think for me yeah so this season was pure uh, camp right uh yeah this season they they wisely split it into two like five episode story arcs so they're okay. completely separate so uh this most recent five episode arc is about aliens um and what you just said reminded me remind me what you just said uh talking about something like it hot yes uh marilyn monroe is featured because she finds out about um what the hell aliens from john f kennedy and they have to murder her Okay, I'm yeah, glad I'm not watching so. that show anymore. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Also, you get um, if you continue watching it, you get um, the always amazing Sarah Paulson playing a really she feisty, so great. She, she is amazing, um, playing a really feisty version of Mamie Eisenhower. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, so maybe you're not missing much. Uh, yeah, I'm not, but that does sound interesting. Wouldn't want to watch it though. No. Well, all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, at some point, we'll probably do another Star War. I'm sure we will. Uh, there, there were more wars amongst the stars. There were. Um, you know, at some point, we'll we'll do them. Not not anytime soon, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so thanks for listening. We don't know what we're doing next time, but that's fun. It's part of the yeah. It's part of the thrill. Might do an indie game. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, but well, thanks right. for listening, everybody. Peace out. Take care.